this is the end. No, it's not. Oh, wait, no. We Hello, one more week. This is one week from the end. welcome back <laughs> to the Lee's Summit Town Hall podcast. Jason, it is, in a way, we're with our final candidate conversation for the races for Lee's Summit City Council. We're going to talk about District 4 this time around. We have one of our two candidates with us. Your two candidates in District 4 for City Council are Bob Johnson and Faith Hodges. Bob, We're going to let Bob in in just a second. Faith has not responded to multiple uh, invitations from us to join either either our candidate conversation or to reply to the surveys that we send to each and every candidate. We will have, you're right, we will have one more candidate forum next Thursday, 630 but- at Bridge Space in downtown Lee Summit is going to be a live, in-person forum with our mayoral candidates, the and there will, Mayor Bill Baird. And there will be a dunk tank. <laughs> and his, his opponent, <laughs> outgoing council member, Diane Forte. You should come out. Hey, and here's something really cool. You know what else we're going to do in addition to talking about the city and local issues and stuff, Jason? We're What's going to that? do a little good at our in-person forum. Oh, you just go crazy. I talked to both of the candidates. They both like to support a lot of different nonprofits and groups in our community. We picked one for each. And I'm going to ask people who come in attendance, make a little donation. Let's help some of these out. So Diane Forte has said she would like on this evening, we're going to support Lee Summit Social Services. And we worked with Mayor Baird. And we are going to support the local Hope House organization on this one. So look, this has nothing to do with competition. It has nothing to do with, you know, you want to support one or the other because that's your favorite candidate. Let's just do some good, people. Show up. Let's make a little donation. Let's bring help. a couple bucks. Dude, bring thing. a couple bucks. Let's help some people in our community. Okay. We, I we, hinted that it was time to bring on our candidate. I hinted with our little song. I like to go back to his generation, the music that he loves. Uh huh. Here we go. Council member Bob Johnson, welcome back. I hope you liked my musical choice for you there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm anxious to see what you think my generation was. I was that guy. Was I? I didn't want to make any comment on whether Bob's musical generation included the Doors or not because, well, you know, fine. I, yeah, I, I I didn't know, and I didn't want to. I don't look. I I, look, nobody nobody can say mention the Doors as a knock on anybody because that no, that's fine. It's always good to bring up the Doors. Council Member Johnson, welcome back to to our program. Uh, we're going to talk you. to you a little bit about about the city, about the community, things that are going on, and and why you're going to ask people for uh, for their vote, for you to serve a second term as the District 4 Council member. We're going to start with, it's a question, this is one of the questions, kind of the only one really that we give every candidate running. But you've now, you're now finishing up another uh, a four-year term. So if you're elected again, let's move forward four years. If you're elected again, what's something that when that those next four years are done, what's something you want to look back and say, I accomplished this? I, I don't know which event it was, but regardless, the the availability of 41 to 4,200 acres, 1,100 of that on the east side, 291, 3,200 then on the southwest part of the city by the Latter-day Saints uh, the Saints Church um, in Salt Lake City. It's just going to be a huge opportunity. It's not going to ha- happen overnight. It's probably a 15 or 20 year project. And I think it can, it changes the face of this community, both from a development commercial standpoint, and then the kind of housing that will be made available. And I'm sure it will be across the board in housing, but it's a long-term project. 
So I want to be a part of that. And I want this to be a positive experience over the next four years and getting this, the agreements between the owners of the property. And uh, we've already had several meetings in the last year about uh, the kinds of projects we'd like to see development projects in those two huge parcels of ground. Uh, I do want to see finally a delivery of some promises for a, uh, downtown Main Street, or not downtown Main Street, but the downtown redevelopment. Specifically, we owe the voters from 2013 an entertainment venue, an entertainment platform, because it was in the bond issue that was voted then, and that hasn't been done. And then I think we have a great opportunity here with participation of the downtown CID for <clears throat> a farmer's market that we're going to hopefully be available. It'll be available for use 12 months a year. So those two kinds of things. Uh, I want to make sure that we we still are missing one of our fire stations does not have a, an ambulance. I want to make sure that all fire stations have an ambulance and the respective uh, paramedics that are on call, obviously 24 seven. Um, those are the two general things that I, I, I want to see uh, take place. And frankly, uh, well, one more, I suppose. I really think we need to review tax increment financing and why it seems to be used in retail more than anything else. And, Many times those jobs that are created, they can't afford to live here. So why? So let's hopefully we can talk about that and change the, the way we consider the way we, we use tax increment financing. All right. Well, so Bob, you you have literally you have literally raised at least two of the questions that we are going to come forward with as we go. So well done in anticipating what we're talking about uh, ahead yeah. of time. So let's start. We're just going to go. We're going to okay. jump. We're going to go right into uh the budget a little bit of kind of conversation about the budget and, and where that where that is and is going um when you were elected it, it came right on the heels of what i think we can all call a fairly contentious conversation about compensation for specifically our public safety uh collectively bargained employees the fire firefighters and the police department um and i think that that has illustrated well, and, and, and it was if you're if you're talking you're also talking about you're talking about machinists also Right. And the, yes. And the, yes. And the machinists as well. So all of those, uh, there was a, that was part of a fairly publicly held and, and contentious. And Nick and I talked a lot about it at the time, but that has we, we were told then and it has come true, you know, that there, there it's going to have an impact on the net revenue balance for the city going forward. And here we are four years later and the city council has voted to put on the ballot a sales tax uh, to help fund public safety. Um, I guess so. First question, um, and this is the easy part of it: is are you uh, are you in favor of the passage of the sales tax? Since you're not speaking from the dais, you can well, have an opinion. I, I vote. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, we don't want to talk with the Charter Review Commission and how that came about. So no, well, yes. I, um, one, I've already voted to place it on the ballot. So yeah, but that's that indication, okay. and. Yes, I. Uh, as this city grows, for example, as we talked about a few moments ago, we're going to have to expand public safety. And probably we've reached the point, the maturity, that we need a set-aside public safety tax for the city of Lee Summit. So, yes, I plan to vote for it. All right. So then I guess let me ask you then, since we're trying to look forward as much as we can, what do you think the next – I mean, I'm assuming this is not going to fix all of Lee Summit's uh, budgetary concerns forever – so what do you see as the next thing uh, like that we need to tackle in terms of dealing with the budget and the, and the issues that will be created there over the next four years? 
Um, first, I, I, I guess there's an assumption I may disagree with you on. Our budgets, our budget is and has been the last couple of years in fairly great shape. Oh yes, no, I'm not with the, the inclusion and the passage by our the electorate of, of the use tax, for example. Right. That's that's been a sizable increase to the sales tax portion. Um, we think going back to public safety in particular and, and, and that tax that's on the ballot in in uh, in April, um, it's probably going to generate around ten million a year. And I would assume that the, the fiscal decisions that are going to be are not to expend 10 million every year to, to lead up to it, because we not only we were, are we going to need additional personnel as the city continues to grow, we'll need ex, uh, um, continuing equipment expansion, replacement, and we need this other ambulance. You know, we are we are missing one ambulance for have, for all stations to have. So, it uh, I think at least my view of this this is not a spend everything in the, in the first every year. It's, um, it's designed for police and fire and for the growth of the city and, and what's needed for the growth, whether it's again, the, the fire department or the police department, but it's not meant to expend $10 million a year. I th I, I'm going to ask one last question in, on this in topic. Of in terms of right. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask one more question on this topic and, and then we're going to, we're, we're going to move, move on because we, we want to try to keep these things under, under an hour, but I, I think the the question that that we we want to ask though is it seems like you know every year we are talking about public safety and that's kind of the that's that seems to be the point of tension of what we you as the council has to figure out are there are there other issues you think that the next council body is going to have to face in the budget that that you're going to have to figure some things out or make priority decisions. One in terms of public safety, again, I said again, it's not just personnel, it is equipment also. And, and we're hoping to do this without capital bonds to, to do that. Um, and, and we're simply gonna have to keep pace and that probably requires, and this may not be out of the, out of the half cent sales tax, it'll probably be out of the capital vote, a, a bond issue, additional buildings for expansion or um, replacement of some of the older ones. So I, I, but right, what you're saying, you know, right now it's it's a pretty, it's really a very good fiscal situation for the city, and it's not just uh, the three entities that bargain collectively with the city. We want to make sure that people that are not a part of those collectively collectively bargained uh, parts of our city, they need to be treated fairly also. So it's about it's almost a fifty percent split in terms of non-organized versus organized uh, employees. And, and all of the R employees are extremely important to quality of life. And people move here, you know, they, they want to feel safety, but they also want parks and, and the use of parks. They want entertainment areas. And so, again, I don't see a real financial collapse that we're looking at over the next year or two, okay. it, it, assuming that growth continues on the current basis. Well, let's uh, let's move, and this is actually a, a topic that that you brought up in your in your opening segment there. Um, let's talk about housing, and let's talk about quality of life, and 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 people living in our community. You know, right yeah. now, a lot of let's say starting teachers, starting firefighters, starting police officers really can't afford to buy a new house 
in our community the way the market is right now. So even mm-hmm. the new multi-develop, multifamily developments, you know, they've got rental rates that are that are at the same level or even higher sometimes of what of what a mortgage would be. Do you think the council can or should encourage development of of housing that these types of workers can afford as they as they first get into the career? Well, I introduced a proposal three years ago, which had 11 points on trying to reach affordable housing. And it's obviously gone nowhere in three years. So it's probably an indication of what's going to continue. But yes, um, our starting probably at starter houses today, and I, and I hate to use that term starter because they're really much larger square footage wise than one might think. But 330000 is probably a starting price for single family detached housing. So if we're looking at single family detached housing, I have been saying off and on for three years that let's approach a, a, a system within the city and encouragement from the city to get down to where at this point you can, you know, to buy a 1400 foot, 1450 foot split level, for example, brand new. I'm not talking about existing homes. I'm talking about new. It isn't happening. It hasn't happened for years. So my goal is to get in that middle teens range, 1,400, 1,500, 1,600 feet, split levels, whatever it is, for people that from, from their late 20s to 30 to maybe even 60-year-olds at the as, a, as they get toward retirement. But for the entry level, first-time home buyer, um, it hasn't happened. And I'm not suggesting we... We put a mandate on housing, I mean, on land prices. I'm not interfering with the private sector on that. But do we really need 70-foot fronts for every single-family detached house in the Lee Summit? I don't think so. I, I think you can do uh, – there was a subdivision I was involved with only to, as, as a builder, not a developer. That They were 60-foot lots. And it's the front footage. Because if we can make those front footages a little smaller, that sewer pipe that's running across the front of it or the water lines that are running across it, it's less cost, less infrastructure cost per lot because you have a lesser amount of front footage. So I'd like to see us give a serious look at this. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not sure there's much interest in doing it right now on a council, but that's what my view of affordable housing is just trying to, Oh, do we have to have two car garages? Maybe there's a demand for a one car garage on a, on a 1400 foot house. So uh, I'd like to at least see us talk about this and have a, a serious consideration, but it, it has happened so far. But that's what I'm, I get what you're saying. I get it all the time. And if if you're in your late 20s, this is your first house. Uh, there's not much for you from a new home concept, which leads to the, the multifamily rental situation. And I'm not, I'm not really a big proponent of multifamily housing or rental property. I really still, I, I'd rather much, much more, encourage single family detached housing owner occupied um and i haven't found a lot of folks that want to talk about it right now so that's what my goal is Uh, i don't and you're absolutely correct some of the uh, new multifamily rental properties are extremely expensive what is the I, I, what is the process? What if, if you're elected and, and you've said you want to drive this conversation a little more? You'd like to see this. So, so what is the process that you would or could take as a council member to to get that conversation going? What's the process there to make that change? We still have a um, 
we adopted several years ago, we still kind of have an attitude that a, that a council member, if they have an idea, they can discuss it in the council. And I don't know which document it is. Uh, maybe it's just an un, unwritten rule. But the mayor pro tem uh, then can, that can assign that that issue, that topic to one of our committees. And certainly if we're going to still continue that, that, that's one of the things we can do. If the council per se wants to go forward, I'm sure the, the mayor pro tem will assign whatever the issue is to a committee. So that's the first thing we need to do is to get a majority of the council to say, this is a legitimate quality of life issue in Lee Summit. Let's send it to one of our council committees and have some hearings. You'll bring the public in, hear from the public. Uh, there may not be a great amount of interest in this. I don't know, but I, I think there is. But uh, but that's the first step. And, and by the way, in, in terms of whatever we do, I also share the point of view that the city government of Lee Summit is, requires too much from, from a developer. And the more it takes to develop ground, the more that that cost has to be incorporated in the price of lots. And uh, but that's why that's why we need to have a legitimate committee assign this project and have public hearings to see if there's some kind of compromise that this community feels is legitimate to go forward with in terms of new housing, new detached housing, owner occupied housing choices for for people that either grow up here or, or move to the city of Lisbon. All right. Well, since uh, we're on the uh, path of talking about uh, topics that you raised in your opening uh, opening response, we're going to move to uh, workforce. Um, you you mentioned in your opening response that one of the things that you're concerned about when we're talking about tech increment financing or incentives, I'm assuming in general, is the uh, the quality of jobs. And I know that you uh, you were out front yeah. uh, way back in the day. Some yeah. developments there at what fifty and two ninety one, um, some quality jobs guarantees that you put in that. So, what can what can the council do, or what can you do as a council person to help ensure that the kinds of jobs that we're we're dealing? Because I think we we're in the middle of this change in work style, right? The pandemic has significantly increased the percentage of people that work from home. Uh, it is, I would suspect, uh, reduce the demand for class A office, which has always sort of been the great white whale uh, or the next great white whale of Lee Summit's development, um, economic development. What can you guys do on the council to kind of help move into the future with that, where we're dealing with like creating the kinds of things that create the jobs so that the people who have those jobs can afford to live here, even aside from the housing question? Yeah, we actually actually just adopted a a project that's I, I just noticed today on uh, over by the police station. They are moving dirt right now, and it's it's a complex of three three commercial buildings which are designed for not retail. They are designed for uh, warehousing. They are and they're designed for uh, uh, light manufacturing and. This is the first time we've had such a big project come to us and maybe project period that gears something beyond retail, beyond low wage, but this is designed to have at least moved toward family supporting jobs in at least warehousing and, and light manufacturing. And it, it was, a, it's, it was, a, it's an expensive proposition in terms of the incentive, but 
given the fact that nothing's happening to this property versus something coming from this property, it, it still will be beneficial to the city's revenue status, the city's revenue status, but it's going to status, but it's going to create jobs that there's a potential anyway of, of a, the ability to pay for some type of affordable housing in Lee Summit. I don't know if it's owner occupied or if it's, if it's rental, you know, I don't know, but that is happening now. So instead of just kind of accepting offering tax increment financing to anything that comes along, which historically has been retail, we need to target the use of incentives period, whether it's tax increment financing, chapter 100, chapter, I forget, 353, whatever it is, we need to start targeting to interest uh, to industries unlike what we historically have done. Well, I think this, this is going to be a, a pretty, pretty direct question then. You've talked about incentives a lot over the years. Do they work? Well, yeah. well that's a... That's it's a, a loaded question, question I, really I know, but. <laughs> uh, well, um, for example, our sales taxes have continued to grow, even though in, in many of the retail shopping areas, half the retail sales stay with the developer. So only half is being made available to uh, in, in terms of funding city government. So since our sales have gone up, I, I really don't know. Is it the fact that we have more people here? I mean, obviously we have we're over 100,000 people. Uh, we just had a discussion at the council meeting the other night about what is our median family income is probably about $100,000. So I, I don't know whether that's driving our, our sales tax increases or tax income finance on the retail project is working. There really isn't a study on that and I can't. Well, that was actually my question I wanted to get, uh, I wanted to get to with you is how do you, as, as a member of council that, that makes decisions on these things, how do you judge? That's the real question I wanted. How do you judge that? How do you analyze whether or not it was right? I look at it, and this is just me. I don't know what others are on the council, how, how they justify their votes in any direction, any issue. Uh, I just look at what the development is, what the, what the type of jobs that are, that are slated for that development. And I always think back, Given that income level, and even if it's times two, let's assume it's two people. Can they? What kind of housing can they afford? I would like to have people that are receiving the, the, the principal developer who are receiving incentives also have quality jobs or at least the ability to live somewhere in, in the city. And I just think most of them, most of the retail incentives, and there are a lot of them. I don't know how you live here on the wages that are probably being generated. So um, at, at least on this project that's up by the police station, the main police operation, um, it's industrial. It's not designed to be retail and it's designed to have income levels that are higher than, than uh, minimum wage and close to minimum wage. And, and, and we'll see, but that's how I just, but back to your question. In my mind, I always try to consider how can someone live in this city on the kind of wages that are being generated by the jobs? the incentivized jobs. I want to, I want to ask one more, one more thing on, on this one, because you brought it, you brought it up earlier. You said that we needed to be more targeted in the future as we move forward with yes. incentives. So what industries, yes. what are you looking at personally that you think we should target? Uh, I said the other night at a function, knowledge-based jobs. So there's some degree of, and I don't want to just, when I say intellectual capacity, I don't 
I don't know what I really mean by that, but um, they, they've had some formal background, some probably post-secondary situation where something else is required for the kind of jobs that, that it is, whether they're engineering, whether they're like, you know, financial um, corporate offices, what have you. It's that kind of thing I would, I would want to, uh, and, and people who are, and employers who are going to not only have quality jobs, but also would pick up, and I say pick up, would offer some degree of, of health insurance as part of the employment uh, financial base for, for, for working there. So, but I, uh, I, I probably, you know, if, if you're talking to me about it, yeah, I would think much more higher about a project if there were certain skill levels required beyond basic societal, you know, just having most any job, but uh, some additional training or post-secondary requirements. But, and I haven't, obviously I, I, I we haven't discussed that minute of, of a qualification, but something where there's some training skills. I mean, we have some businesses here that are totally, I, there are, there are two that I know of that are totally blue collar, but there's a skill level required to run that equipment that manufactures plane parts, for example, or manufactures piping across the Missouri river. You know, it's, you really have a skill set there, but you don't have a college education and that's fine, but you do have the training to operate equipment that, requires a, a huge understanding of what that equipment does and the tolerance tolerances that are required in the, in the plans. I've been in those two places. I have in mind, but um, so yeah, I'm not trying to be an elitist and say you have to be a college graduate. Well, good. Cause I feel like Nick and I, as we age, we get farther and farther away of from uh, what was the phrase you use intellectual capacity or knowledge base. I think it's like, <laughs> that's, I feel like that. So I'm glad that you didn't feel like you were excluding us quite yet. Knowledge base is right um all right well no uh, I, I include my you know this phone here the problem and uh, yes all right so we you have you have ably answered most of our our more challenging questions but now we have the one question where we will attempt to judge you this uh, is the litmus test this is the litmus test question that we we talked about a little bit earlier um, that we're going to, we're going to get you with now, Bob, you probably okay. are aware you've heard a couple of our podcasts and you've been on with us and we've asked you questions before that we have a longstanding yeah. pro taco, uh, stance and, and we have determined through our extremely scientific research that the, the question of burgers yes. versus tacos has been answered in favor of tacos. So we're not asking the burger versus taco question anymore because we know the answer now, what we're going to ask you. Okay. Is a okay. far more difficult and tricky political question, Bob. Where in Lee's Summit do you, Bob Johnson, find the best tacos? <laughs> well, I know you don't want to talk about the first one, but tacos are not my top priority. <laughs> I understand, but if there and are, so we, of... and this is our podcast, so this okay. is where we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, You know, uh, and I'm embarrassed because I know where I, well, I just ate there the other day for the third or fourth or fifth time. It's off to, I can't remember the name of it. It's off of 291. Um, next to China 88. I'm just trying to build this. Is it here. Carmen's or is it, uh, uh, is it Carmen's, the yes, restaurant? That's it. Carmen's, yes. Uh, a fine yes. choice. And by the way, there but, was only, there were only like one wrong answer. Um, and you did not hit it. So good job. <laughs> and and look, we once had earlier this I year. Probably the, know where that is. Yeah. 
We once had the most courageous political answer I've ever received in 27 years of covering local elections. We had a candidate earlier this season tell us that Taco Bell had the best tacos in town. And that is a courageous answer. Um, <laughs> courageous is, that, courageous uh, is the word. Courageous is the right word. Okay. <laughs> uh, Council, mem- yes. Council member Bob Johnson, I appreciate you That's coming on, giving enough. us giving us your time, um, not only just the time that you gave us here, but also the time you have given us as an elected official and the time it takes to run for office. That takes a lot of a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of time. We appreciate it. As we say to to each of our, our candidates that come on, good luck in the in the upcoming election. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Um, I thank thank you for having me at really. And so uh, I didn't know if you were going to talk about youth sports or not, but youth sports <laughs> or not, it's okay. So, by the way, we're going to do a whole other show on that one. More tournament.